Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dicko hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. Today's guest a true expert in the field of sports, primarily on the West Coast because he covers football, he covers basketball, he covers baseball, you name it, he covers it as a broadcaster, as an analyst for a number of networks, primarily ESPN as well as the Pac-12 networks, none other than a friend of mine, a 97 graduate of Cal Berkeley, Roxy Bernstein. Roxy, Thanks for joining. It, it was kind of a pins and needles figuring out a time that would work for both of us. Appreciate you joining. When we have kids, you know, end of the school year, Dan, we're juggling, we're trying to make things work. We finally found the time to do it. We did. And with that, um, your schedule is one of the most uh, interesting and unique that I've seen on the on the broadcast side because I work with a lot of partners when I do the analyst uh, you're obviously a play-by-play guy. You work for a number of networks. Um, how do you juggle your schedule? Because you've got football, basketball, baseball, and a lot of them begin to overlap during different times of the year. It takes some patience on my employer's part and mine. Uh, it also takes some creativity on my part. And it, it's funny because it, people that know me, Dan, and, and you know me, I'm not the most organized person in the world but when it comes to work and my career I am extremely meticulous whether it's organizational as far as my travel and what dates I'm available when I can do things down to what color pen I use for specific charts for games and, and keeping score for baseball and football and, and doing stuff and it drives my wife absolutely crazy that it's only in my career that I'm that meticulous and that organized because around the house, it's, I'm so disheveled. Like if you, if we took a panoramic view of my office here and my quote unquote man cave, it's like, it's clean right here, but then everywhere else, it's just a complete mess. Like a tornado blew through my office, but I have an old school calendar that I use. One of those little, you pull it out of your bag. Yeah. I write it in with my pencil. I don't even trust, I don't even trust my phone. Just be, I just feel comfortable and more and safe doing it that way. Um, when it comes down to it, though, because I am a full-time staff ESPN employee, they get priority on my schedule no matter what. If they need me, they get me. Um, every date I take outside of them, whether it's for Pac-12 Network, which they've been gracious to allow me to work for, um, do some stuff for the Oakland A's. I might do some games on the WCC Network when they – uh, when a need arises, um, I submit those dates to ESPN and they clear me. 
in terms of, yes, go ahead, you can take that. We don't need you that day. Or if they need me, then they will tell me, no, we, we need you that day. For, for example, I had to reschedule some events last year and do some maneuvering to pull off some double headers last basketball season. Because, you know, as you know, ESPN, we weren't traveling. Like yeah. I might have had a, a Gonzaga game, but I wasn't in Spokane. Or I might have had a UW game, but I wasn't in Seattle. I was sitting right here in San Mateo, California, uh, broadcasting a game somewhere on the West Coast. But for Pac-12 Network, as you know, because you were in person for quite a bit of games for them, we were on site, whether it was at Stanford, at Cal. So miraculously, I was able to pull off some double dips this year. Had its challenges, (laughs) but look, it beats the alternative in networking. So... I, I've talked about uh, my challenges of, of preparing from home uh, on this podcast with a few different uh, kind of monologue episodes uh, throughout the course of the last nine months or so. How did you handle preparing for broadcast being remote versus in person? Because we still had access to coaches through Zoom or phone calls, uh, as well as sports information directors. But there's a difference with asking a coach a, cur- a question face-to-face after watching their team go through shoot-around versus on Zoom where you have a limited 10 to 15 minutes to ask as many, as many questions as you can. It, it had its challenges. And the coaches and every school was gracious with their time and accommodating as they could be. But I, I don't know how you felt when you were doing games this way remotely from home, Dan, but I felt detached. I felt it was a sterile environment. Now, look, we were in empty buildings doing games this year, and so there wasn't as much ambiance. But you still could be there to feel the game and hear the pop of the basketball, hear the screech of the sneakers on the floor. Even though we were in a different position broadcasting a game a little bit elevated from the floor. Um, So from that aspect, I, I felt it was really challenging. To, to be able to call games this way. Because w- when we're there, there is a feel for the game. And if we're at shoot-around, I mean, sometimes I was able to watch shoot-around just depending on when the communication was set up. So I was able to, to get an understanding of what a team was trying to do. And But we had to rely on them. And a lot of coaches are paranoid and they're not forthcoming with scatter report stuff. They're not going to tell <laughs> yes, you. Yes, they are. They can. Yes, you know. You know, if, if Randy Bennett and I'm doing St. Mary's Gonzaga and I asked Randy, hey, how are you going to slow down Jalen Suggs? He might give me some song and dance, but he's not going to tell me exactly what he's going to try to do. Or, okay, what, what concerns you? How are you going to get out to Corey Kispert? Well, okay, oh, we just can't leave shooters. Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> right? But those are things that, but if we're at shoot around, you can see how they're going to defend and what their game plan is. So you don't need to ask them about that. If you're paying attention to shoot around, you know precisely what's going to happen in terms of a game plan that was lacking this year. Um, And just that interaction that we love, right? Just even if we're not talking game specific stuff, you and I, we've cultivated relationships over years with different coaches and players and getting to know them and getting to know the people behind whoever that person is all right like doing a utah game and unfortunately eric Kosoviak got let go as no longer the coach at utah but how quirky he can be with certain things like 
things in multiples of seven. He has to do, he'll drop all of a sudden do 14 push-ups in the middle of practice because it's a multiple of seven. That's how he does things. They leave for a 6.30 game. The bus will leave at 4.21 because that time adds up to seven. It, just things like that that you pick up on over the years that we were not privy to this year for the most part. For sure. Pac-12 Network, we were on site, so I was able to see a lot of things. Um, but again, they did not want us at shoot-arounds because of just trying to limit the exposure and limit the possibility of anything happening. Yeah. Um, so it, it made it frustrating in that regard. And I hope we get back to normal next season because I think if we're in buildings, we are at shoot-arounds, that it helps us do our jobs better. And we're more informed, we're more prepared than would be doing it remotely like this. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I personally think there's going to be a balance between in-person and still calling games from home, which quite frankly, will, it will be great for a lot of our travel schedules and being around family activities and events. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing what that balance looks like. Um, but with that being said, and some of your, your, your comments, I've always found you being one of the more insightful play-by-play guys that I've worked with. And I'm not just saying that to say that because you're a guest on the show today, but because you also have the background of being a player. Now, you've told me off camera or off recording before that you wouldn't necessarily call yourself a player, but you were a walk-on at at Cal. And Eh, you understand that. It's not the right term. I, I was on, I was running scout team on occasion when they needed me, or I'd but play you, pick up with the guys who needed an extra body. That was yeah, that was you, my role. You you went through college practices. You went yeah. through an understanding what the scouting report was and how practices worked. So I appreciate that, and I see how your preparation as a play by play guy looks at it also from my angle as an analyst. How has that helped you? in your play-by-play role in, in the many different sports that you call? Well, I mean, look, I'd like to think I know baseball and I'd like to think I know football. Basketball is a sport I know the best. It's what I grew up playing. I played to a decent level. I was, I was a pretty good high school player. Um, if I could toot my own horn for a second, my senior year of high school, I was second in the entire Bay Area and three-pointers made. What uh, high school? Remember Jason Pyrus? Yeah. Played at one dub before you? Okay. Jason Tyrus led the entire Bay Area in threes from Milpitas High School here in the Bay Area, and I was second to him. Okay. So, uh, but there was, I think, from outside of shooting, there was a significant drop-off in other areas of my game where <laughs> the reason why I wasn't a highly recruited player, I, I had offers to play in smaller schools that I wanted to go the you know, D2, D3 route. Um, in fact, it's funny, I still run into one of the coaches, Rodney Tension, yeah. over the years was the head coach at a small division two school right near here, the college of Notre Dame at the time uh, here in the Bay area. And they play in the same league as schools like San Francisco state, uh, Cal state East Bay, which used to be Cal state Hayward. Uh, and, and Rodney actually recruited me out of high school. And so whenever I see him, when I've had his games over the years, cause he's been in a number of different programs, right? He was at LMU. He's been at Arizona. He, he's been at so many San Jose State. You keep going on. He's a Cal Poly now. And we always joke about what if I'd come to play for you? And Rodney keeps saying, you made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was an honor for both of us. 
<laughs> yeah, honest coaching and recruiting. You don't always see that these days, and you hope no. to see that. But, I mean, I, I think not only that, but being related to a coach. My sister's married to a Division One head coach. So I, I think I have more insight, understand the game of basketball more than your typical play-by-play guy. I just like, maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. I don't know. But I just see things because I was able to play at a decent level. And I understand the game from that standpoint. But I also understand the mechanics of the broadcast, right? As the play-by-play guy, my job is to tell you what is what's happening. And you as the analyst, Dan, you're saying, you're, you're explaining why it happened. And my job is to make you the star. My job is to explain to a certain point and then let you take over. Because even though I might be able to say the same things that you do and I might see the same thing, let's be honest. You played at a much higher level than I did. You played the NBA. I've only watched the NBA, right? Um, that you have much more credibility than I could ever imagine in terms of that regard, even though we might be seeing the same thing, but it doesn't come from the same position. And I don't think the viewer and the fan looks at it the same way. So that's why I've always thought about it from your perspective. All right, what can I do? How can I tee him up and further this conversation and put you in a position to explain things? And that's the way I approach it in terms of, okay, I see this guy came off the ball screen here. Dan, why did this open up? How did they get such a good look? And boom, that's where you can take over and explain it. So you made the comment you want to make the analyst a star. I've got to kind of ask you this, and I'm sure anybody that's seen you on an ESPN or a Pac-10, Pac-12 broadcast has realized one of your consistent partners is a guy by the name of Bill Walton. Have you made him a star in the world of broadcasting, or do you have to reel him back in just a little bit? He was a star long before I was ever paired next to him. Let's, let's get that straight. Um, there are, it's challenging, and I do have to be, get it, the train back on the tracks, if you will, sometimes. Yeah, how do you Look, do that? If, if we have a 25-point game, Dan, let him go, right? It's a blowout. Why, why should the viewer stay on our game? Well, Bill makes it entertaining, like because you never know what he's going to say next. So that's when Bill's almost at his best. But when Bill just wants to be the basketball analyst, he is phenomenal at it. Um, but I, I think he, he understands the media landscape and understands why people tune in to hear him. Because people will tune in whether they love him or they hate him. There's no middle ground on Bill Walton. You either on one side or the other, right? You're going to tune in just to hear what he's going to say next, whether you love it or not. Oh, I can't believe what that guy Walton said. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I just want him to talk about the game. When the other guy's going, hey, this is funny. I had no idea there were 44 bridges in the city of Portland, right? <laughs> I mean, but that's, that's what he does. He's entertaining. And he understands the landscape now of how to entertain the viewer. When the game is challenging is when the, they're blowouts, right? Okay, you and I are doing a game. We got a 25-point game. We're trying to empty the bucket with everything we, get, we got to try to make it attractive for the viewer to stay and prevent them from turning the channel. Bill has got his own set of things that he does because he, he's prepared in that regard. He's prepared for everything. Um, but there, there was a game that we did 
probably like four years ago now, it was Oregon against UCLA. It was the Pac-12 opener right before New Year's in Eugene when Dylan Brooks and that group, Chris Boucher, they were still at Oregon, Jordan Bell, Peyton Pritchard was a young player on that team. And then it was UCLA with Lonzo Ball and that group. And the game was phenomenal, right? I don't think anybody led by more than seven or eight points the entire game. And, and Bill had his moments where he would deter from the game. But along with my producer, Tim Sullivan, we were able to keep Bill focused. And if you listen to Bill on that particular game, just as the basketball analyst, he was fabulous. When he wants to be just the analyst, it is unbelievable. But he knows he, he's not, he's not going to be the cookie cutter broadcaster anymore. There's, there's a lot of guys that he feels that can do that. What separates him is his culture, his ability to inform and entertain. And there is definitely a genius to what Bill does. Dan Dickow here for Moink Meat. Moink was founded by an eighth generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank. Host Kevin O'Leary said it's the best bacon he's ever tasted. And I tend to agree. And Jamie Simonoff, creator of the Ring Video Doorbell, invested in Moink. Why do just four companies control 80% of the US meat industry? Because big food crushes the little guy. You can help change that with moinkbox.com. Why are 97% of the chicken served in the US dipped in chlorine? Simple, because big food doesn't have the same quality standards as the family farm. That's why you need moinkbox.com. The best bacon, the best steak, the best chicken, and the best salmon you'll ever eat won't come from the grocery store. You'll only find it on the family farm and caught by independent Alaska fishermen. That's why you need moinkbox.com. Join the moinkbox.com movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash believe right now. And listeners to this show will get free bacon for a year with every box ordered. That's right. Free bacon for a year. That's one of the best years ever. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but only for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash believe. That's moinkbox.com slash believe. Moink meat is so delicious. It's awesome. I think you will love it too. Get Moink right now. There is a genius to what he does. I, I've had a few small conversations with him in the past. Uh, I know guys that have worked with him closely, such as yourself. And I think the average fan doesn't understand, as you explained, what he is doing. Because there is a master plan behind all of it. And if you know just enough about what you just talked about, it's fascinating to see it play out and watch it happen in real time in TV. And then at the same time, you could follow it on Twitter and be like just laughing at all the comments that are going on during these games based on the comments that he just made. A funny story for you about that. So the first year, you know, there was the Pac-12 China game, right? That every year there would be a game played over in Shanghai and the Pac-12 trying to go globally. The first year 
it was Washington against Texas in Shanghai. So Bill and I were sent over to do the game for ESPN. It was when Marquise Chris and Matisse Thibel, their freshman debuts for UW, Shaka Smart's first game as the Texas head coach. So we're out there all week. Um, and we get done doing the game. We go back to the hotel we're all staying at on the bun there in Shanghai. We go up to the top floor. There's like a bar restaurant at the hotel. We sat there, there was a bunch of us, Bill, his wife, Lori, Tim Sullivan, the producer, me. I think Jamie Zaninovich was there from the pack, a few other people from the conference. And we sat there and we pulled out our cell phone and we pulled up Twitter and we were scrolling through just to see what people were saying. And Bill was loving, like Bill's on Twitter. It's really Lori that runs his Twitter. Okay, but does, does he have a burner account? Because I know a lot of college coaches do so they can follow possible recruits and their own players' yeah. commentaries. No, he doesn't have a – believe me, he doesn't know enough in that regard to have a burner. Okay. Maybe he does and maybe he just plays – look, Bill Walton plays dumb better than anybody I've ever met in my life. He is by far the best at playing dumb I have ever met. He knows exactly. He's brilliant. He always looks at me like – like you know, the shtick on there, and your name is, and yeah. we worked together before, right? And he looks, and you're Roxy, and your wife's name is Sherry, and your daughter is Berkeley, and your son's name is Jake. You went to Cal, you went to Berkeley, your wife went to UCLA, I went to UCLA, my wife Laura. I mean, it's the same shtick, right? Dan, how are you? I'm Bill with two L's, right? <laughs> it's so disarming, it's but it's so genuine at the same time. But we're sitting up there going through Twitter. And just seeing what people were saying, like even like Fran Fraschilla was tweeting at us, like I'm ready to buy stock in Alibaba right now because of Bill Walton, like things like that. And it's, it's, it's priceless. And he was wildly entertained by what people had to say. And he normally doesn't do that, but we just felt compelled to do it on that particular night. And it was certainly entertaining for us over there. And that was a, a great experience. And look, he, People, uh, Bill, well, what's he doing? This guy's an idiot. Right? He just asked, you've ever been to Shanghai before? With Yeah, we've been to China three times together, Bill. He knows exactly. He's just get, doing it to get a rise out of me, getting a rise out of people. And I, I think it's just colorful. And it's, look, we might come across as antagonistic on television towards one another when Dave Patch the same way, but we thoroughly enjoy sitting next to him and doing games with him. That's great insight. That's tremendous uh, stories in, in regards to some of your experiences calling games with one of the all-time great players. Um, but as we kind of touched on earlier, um, I wanted to ask you about how you got started in the business of broadcasting because you are ter terrific at it. You're very good. One of the best that I, that I work with quite frequently. Um, but did you always have a passion to get into broadcasting? Because I know you walked on at Cal. You were a great high school player that had opportunities. What was your game plan? What was your thought process of how to get into this business? Because I know a lot of parents and student athletes listen to this. And I've gotten messages many times about interested in how people get into the positions that they're in. I knew from a young age, Dan, this is what I wanted to do. Um, I had a close family friend who at the time was growing up, this is before the Kings moved to Sacramento, they were in Kansas City. 
Um, Neil Funk, who just retired as a longtime television voice of the Chicago Bulls. But Neil was doing radio for the Kansas City Kings at the time. And I was like five or six. And I sat with him during a broadcast when the Kings were in town playing the Warriors at the press table. And I'm like five or six. I'm going, this is the coolest thing ever. Are you kidding me? Like you get to sit here and watch the game and you get to talk about it. And you, this is your job. I want to do that. Right. It, well, if I couldn't play, I wanted to do that. And I kept trying. But I realized, you know, the NBA career is probably not going to happen for me. So what's the next best thing? Well, is to talk about it. And so I kept playing. And even though when I was, you know, pretty good high school player, I went to a couple broadcasting camps over the summer to learn and prepare because I knew this was my career path. This is what I knew that I wanted to do. I wanted to stay in sports. And I felt I had the knowledge and the talent to be able to do this. So I, it helped me prepare for it. Roy Engelbrecht had a camp down in Los Angeles, a sportscaster camp. We broadcast the NBA Summer League. We went out and did an Angels game in a mock broadcast. And we got training on it. I'm like, this is really cool. So I did it for a couple of summers. And then when I got to Cal, like even though I was involved with the basketball team um, and I was a recruiter walk on to get into school, um, I knew my career path when I looked at over and Hey, there's KJ Roberts, right? This, this is the, the point guard, a freshman, same year as me. Um, they had a guy named Akili Jones who was there at the same time. And then there was this point guard named Jason Kidd who was coming in the following year. I'm like, yeah, this is probably not going <laughs> to happen for me. Good decision. So, um, but I went over to, I volunteered at the student radio station. Like the first week I was there and got involved with, the Cal student radio station. We got to broadcast football, basketball, women's basketball, baseball, talk shows, uh, anchors, sportscasts. And I was able to cut my teeth and get on the, uh, get on the air. And I did that throughout my college career. Um, when I was, but I knew this is exactly what I wanted to do. Making contacts. I was interning for a radio station, San Francisco, interning for a TV station in the Bay area as well at the same time, just to get more exposed to people and the business. Um, and then when I was finished up with school, Cal hired me because uh, to be their pregame and postgame and halftime host on radio on their on their uh, basketball network. Ted Robinson, oddly enough, who I, we work with at the Pac-12 network, was the play-by-play -play radio voice for Cal. Ted ended up missing a couple of games that year. I got to fill in for him. That was my first taste of commercial radio and getting to broadcast a game. And from there, it just kept fueling the fire within me. This is what I have to do. And not only that, but I branched out, was doing some minor league baseball for years, play-by-play -play, calling games in what was the old Western Baseball League, which is now defunct. And we used to joke it was the Western Beer League because it was independent ball. And these guys were either on the rebound or just trying to keep getting paid to go to the ballpark. But it was great experience, and I loved every second of it. And from there, I got some breaks along the way and started doing some Major League Baseball. A number of years later, I got an opportunity to call some games. The, for example, the Montreal Expos were going on the cheap because they were hiring a local guy whenever the Expos were in town. And I got to do some Expos games when they were here playing the Giants or playing the A's in Interleague. And from there, I got hired by the Giants to be a fill-in uh, broadcaster for them. And then I went... Full-time was hired in Miami to work for the Marlins. 
I did that for three years, but it also opened other doors for me and eventually led me to ESPN. And certainly the foundation of the Pac-12 network, I was one of the first people they hired when they started. And it really has been um, what I've wanted to do. And I'm completely thrilled and happy with who I'm working for in the situation now. And I just hope it continues being able to do what I love to do. Well, I can hear the excitement in your voice of being able to have a vision and then kind of work those steps to be able to do, as you just mentioned, do what you love to do. And uh, I'm glad our paths have crossed. We've called a number of games over the past, you know, few years. Hopefully that means we can call some more games uh, together in the next few years. But Roxy, I appreciate you joining. Uh, you've had some great insights, some great stories. And you know what? Let's have you join again because I would love to have more stories uh, not just on Bill Walton, because he's, <laughs> he's a lightning rod for a lot of people to hear about. Yeah. Um, but some of the, the other experiences you've had in the industry, because, uh, you, like I said, you call football, basketball, baseball, and, and your experience and knowledge is off the charts. So I appreciate you joining. And remember, don't speed through Colfax. <laughs> that is true. Absolutely. So, no, that is for anybody who – uh, follows the Pac-12 network. That is an Your public service joke. announcement. Yes, public service announcement from Spokane to Pullman. Go slow. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Roxy. I appreciate it. Take care, bud. Anytime, Dan. Thanks for having me. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.